I want to know, Robert. Okay. Uh, the festival came back. South by Southwest came back. Oh, here we are. Yeah. Did, what did you see? What did you do? I went. To, I went to see uh, count them four bands. Ooh. In three hours. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a lot like the movie talk. I was like, man, you know, there was an alt country band. There was a blues hammer band. Uh, there was a band I used to watch that I realized I didn't like, and I still don't like them. Uh, there was an art, there's kind of a funk band that was pretty good. Uh, I think they're called like, uh, I don't even know what they're called, but I yeah, w- I want to know the band. The, I, I want to know the band that, that, uh, you don't want to talk about. We'll say it off mic. Cause I don't want to shit talk bands. What? Oh, the band I don't like, I knew I didn't like, and I don't like. Yeah. Oh, it's white denim. Oh, okay. Because it's just, it's blues hammer. I mean, there were two blues hammer bands. White denim does a better job of the other blues hammer band I saw, <laughs> but it's just fucking European blues hammer, I guess. <laughs> Um, White Dome had a really great AP when they came out and then they've been doing like it's like Frank Zappa without the fun I guess it's like if you just suck all this oh my god I I do not think of Frank Zappa as fun at all so that sounds horrible I mean I don't know. I mean, they're a beloved Austin band, so I'm sure I'll get banned from they are Austin, right? Yeah, Yeah. they're definitely I was giving you the chance to not say it. They're they're I mean it's very good. They're very good at what they do. It's like I, I, I'm going to keep talking about I'm going to shit on every Austin band. And I do not want to do that. So <laughs> uh, let's stop talking about this immediately. But yeah, I mean, it was fun. It was fun to go out there. I think if I, I'd like to go next year and like actually plan my, like listen to the music and plan it myself because I was kind of going with my sister and brother-in-law and their music taste is not my music taste. And mm. it's just like, I have a very specific thing that I want to see. And, you know, I, you know, I, there was a, some other alt country band that I was just like, I would rather pry my eyes out right now than watch this, you know? <laughs> this sucks, man, because I, I had a great South by. I caught fantastic bands, and it was one of those where the bands that I went to go see that I was like, yeah, I'll check these guys out, were all fine. They were good. But then the bands that I caught completely on accident just from being, you know, between two other shows or I'm popping in at a venue before somebody else played were fucking great well that's awesome any great bands uh so yard act was uh my my buddy christian was really into seeing them he, he went and saw them like four or five times during south by and they they were like they were one of the kind of kutx buzz bands kind of uh you know post-punky british band from leeds uh and they were good live um really enjoyed fake fruit out of oakland uh good uh guitar driven indie rock very much in if you like snail mails records so i probably like them um Really special one. I got to go see Witch, the uh, the Zambian uh, psych rock band. Uh, we intend to cause havoc, and the dudes in that band are like seventy years old now, and they have a bunch of Americans they play with when they do shows in, in the states. Mm. Um, and they they were a band that I discovered on one of those like African Nuggets kind of compilations. Uh, who did really cool stuff in the late sixties and early seventies, and they did a fantastic show. Got to see them do like a whole ninety minute set down at uh, Feels So Good. That's based down there, um, near where the institution used to be. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, which was really cool. Oh, that's cool. I've never been to Feels So Good. Definitely yeah, no, it, it was it was nice. You know, shout out to those folks doing the doing. It's the same ones who do Find Something Gentlemen, the the the, the print uh, t shirts and screens. Yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. It's it's all one big operation there. Yeah, I. I think they're called the Serotones. They were really good. They had they were sort of funky or, or R and B, and they were they were really good. I honestly feel like I would have had a much better time if I just would have done some homework and not just gone out there I, like a crazy. Well, person. you also you got to go out a couple times and give yourself the chance to catch the surprises. Yeah, I, I 
it's one of those things where you take the week off and you do it. You know, like I, I just well, didn't. <laughs> I'm definitely not. Couldn't do two days in a row, but yes. Yeah, yeah, but I, but I, uh, but yeah, it's good that you had a good time, and I'm sorry that I dissed another. All, all Austin bands are great, and I'm sorry. I'm gonna I'm give sorry. a couple more shout outs to other bands. Okay, I, I did, I did catch uh, High on Fire, who you know, High on Fire, the great, and uh, I caught. Uh, the, 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 the two that really knocked my socks off that I'd never heard of, uh, great little scrappy, uh, punk band out of Nashville called Snooper, uh, who is one of those bands where I have a rule and that is when, uh, when I, when I walk into, uh, to a crowded, uh, show and Mike Weeby taps me on the back and goes, Hey, what's up? I'm like, Hey, Mike's here. Okay. It's probably yeah, a good band, yeah, yeah. you know? Uh, so I was, I ran to Mike there and, uh, and we were both like, yeah, they're fucking great. And it was like, they're like 10th show ever. They're great. And then another one that I really enjoyed was um, a band called Death Chant out of Los Angeles. I spent more time watching. I saw more metal acts than I did anything else, which yeah. is not particularly in character for me, but uh, really fun. Uh, combined kind of the uh, the uh, um, the fast tempo kind of Motorhead style bluesy metal with uh, some Thin Lizzy style guitar monies. And if, and if that doesn't sound like a good time to you, then I don't fucking know what to tell you because they were a blast and they wrecked shit and uh, bounced all over the place when they were playing and uh, they were great. So I'm, I'm looking forward to catching Death Chant next time they're uh, coming through Texas uh, or next time I'm in LA because that's where they're from. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So shout out, shout out, shout out to catching bands you've never heard of. Yeah, I mean and, that's and, what and it's all fun. about. That's all. It's I all missed about. it more than I thought I would. I, I feel like living in living in South City, South by is this like crucible we have. Where it's a little bit like being from the Indio Valley and Coachella comes through. It's like, yeah, Coachella, roll your eyes. It's also like the thing we have here. I, I mean, I, I will say, like, because uh, we also have, like, uh, mini Coachella, which is ACL. Well, we have too many fucking, yeah, too yeah, many. Yeah, um, I will say that South by, if you, you know, I'm not going to talk about the ethical nature of it, but, like, I, I do think as an event, uh, if you're if you're willing to, like, give yourself to it, uh, it's pretty great. I mean, I've had some pretty great times. I've I've had experiences like you where I saw a lot of bands. I just did it like an old man and only saw three bands. And honestly, I mean, White Denim is a really good live band. If you like that sort of music, they're amazing live. I just am not... That's just not my thing. But I honestly think if I would have been doing it for four days and saw White Denim, I would have been really excited. You yeah. Know? I just... It was more about my mindset that it was the bands that I was seeing. But I think that I, I actually tweeted this and i really believe it it's like it's our mardi gras yeah like we just have to accept it i was gonna say the same thing actually which yeah is, you know, yeah and kind of sad but yeah but i mean well it, it, it it's sad that our mardi gras has like a dorito sponsorship and doesn't have a hundred years of history i mean but it's yeah i mean it's the difference between new orleans and austin it's kind right. of sad that you know i don't know we have 23 dollar mixed drinks but, but you know but, like... but for people who don't know if you live in austin you don't go to the official stuff all these bands are in town. They're playing free shows. And for me, I got to see these great bands and still get free fucking drinks. There were still, well, no, but I, there were still people handing me free beers. Was, stuff. It was great. Yeah, but my point is it's not like a festival, a music festival like Coachella. I went to Pitchfork Festival, very beautiful festival. Like If you're going to make a festival, it's probably the festival. Like Fun 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 Fest was, the way it's set up and right. how small it is and all that shit. Yeah, Sing, single grounds. Yeah, you, get, yeah. you come in the yeah. gates. You, you can roam around, see the stages, yeah, but you're in one space. Everything that you want. But something like South By is just a different animal. It's not like these festivals. It's no, very, it transforms the city. Yeah, it trans. So it's like you're going to different places and you're finding stuff. So yeah. it's like, it's a, it's a weird sort of cross of 
Coachella and Margaret and, 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 and Mardi Gras had a baby. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I, I don't know. I, I've, I'm sort of begrudgingly being like, you know, I'm, I'm going to complain about stuff in Austin, but maybe not about that. Cause maybe they'll give us two weeks off. <laughs> like we don't I mean, complain about it. They'll give us two weeks off. So stop complaining about yeah, it. Yeah. And, 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 and we can, we can quibble with, you know, the corporate nature of the, yeah. the official festival, right? Which, which none of us who are locals really interact with that yeah. much. The only time I've ever been to the official festival is when I made the festival as a band and right. I had a free badge. Yeah. Duncan played this year as part of the festival. Yeah. Like that's the only time I ever went to nighttime stuff at all. Yeah. You know. Uh, but, but for, but, because we have this thing going on, that lets all the kind of side infrastructure of just the the, the live performing side of Austin come alive. Yeah. And anywhere you go in Austin, that coffee shop's got a stage. That hardware store has a corner. That's with, yeah, with a I mean, yeah. It's, and uh, and and that that is what's so fun about it because I, I don't know many other cities or or. Um, uh, any other any other festivals that are that are like that in the Mardi Gras way, where where just for for a week and a half there's a million bands in the city, and for you know 12 hours a day you can't turn a corner without seeing yeah. without seeing you know someone plugging in an amp and, and a free show playing, and and a lot of those shows will give you free beers. So yeah. shout out to the free beers. We're popping tops. We're doing it. And Robert, when last we convened, we talked about, we caught up with the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and so I think we were... we're the Eastern Conference? The Eastern Conference. I mean, definitely competitive. <laughs> it, I, it might be the more fun one this year than the West. It's definitely more fun. I will say that, like, uh, if you look at the records, right, Miami has kind of pushed themselves out. But those, you know, I mean, they're still, like... The Suns are so far out in front of everyone else, and just record-wise. Yeah. So, and by, when we say it was a, like one of the most competitive seasons we've ever seen in the East, it's also important to say that when we compare it to the West, some of the best teams in the West just aren't whole. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like the Clippers are a, like, let's not forget a really fucking interesting and potentially championship-winning team next year. If all the pieces come back healthy, I mean they've got a lot there. The Nuggets should be a tier one team if everybody's together. And I'm know? not even talking about the permanent injuries that you're you're talking about, but like I, I definitely was trying to watch some of these teams as we were coming into this podcast, and I could never get the starting lineups for both teams. Like there was always yeah. just a guy who was hurt, or just some, there was just something that was going on, and I didn't really feel like when we did the East one, I was always like, oh okay. I have a semblance of what this team is, you know, like in the West, it just felt like somebody's got this or somebody's got that. So, well, we, we haven't focused keyed in on specific Western teams in a while. So I feel like after our last Eastern talk, we kind of started, I started like settling into talking about tiers of, of where these teams fall. And I thought we might take a quick look at the West and kind of think of uh, where are we at right now uh, when, as we record roughly 10 games left in the season for everybody. Uh, who are we looking at in the West? And let's, let's, let's do some quick hits and talk about uh, the best teams in the West by tiers. The first one is a team that we started the season talking about a bunch. For me, <clears throat> I think that their tier one is a team of one. I think we probably both agree. In the West, we talked about the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. And we haven't kept up with them that much because we kind of addressed some of the interesting questions about them. But those questions are really about, one, was health going to hold out? Yeah. And, and it has so far, even as everybody's missed a little time. No one's had major injuries. So I think I think Booker's missed like 14 games and Paul's missed like 12. 
Uh, I think Aiton's only missed like six or seven. Well, yeah. I mean, the funny thing about the Suns is that uh, Booker, when Paul got injured, you know, like about a month ago, he was like, perfect timing. Yeah. I'm back, baby. Great, great injury timing. Paul's going to come back. And and that's what's kind of happening. They're so far out in front. I think when we get to playoff time, we might talk about them more of like, can they win the whole thing? And what are the, you know, what we've talked about before. But man, what we said a few months ago, about them is hasn't changed. No, they're, like they're, just, they're, they're just fucking good. They're, they're just they're really, really them. good. And you could look back on the season and like go, well, we were all dumb. This team was truly dominant. You know, I think they have 58 or 59 wins with 10 games left. You know, I mean, they're going to have over 60 probably wins. They're just about 10 games in front of the pack. Yeah. Like, and like so, it's them and then nine games and yeah, everybody else. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, it, it, it really is just minor stuff with them uh, that we've kind of all gone through. It's just like, uh, who is their backup center? And, you know, do, do they have, you know, past the first two guards, you know? Who are they? Are they playing campaign? Are they playing? You know, it's like the things that we're going to talk about with these other teams are so much more major than what we're talking about with the Phoenix Suns. And 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 you're, you said exactly it. We may just all look back at the end of this year and go, oh, it turns out the team that was obviously the best team in the league from wire to wire won yeah. the whole thing. And that that is, in honestly, you might even, you we, we, it might be the smartest bet to say that is the likeliest outcome at this point. They, they really could be I, that. I love this in sports, and sometimes this team wins a whole championship in sports. It's the team that rolls out the eights and the nines and says, you got to do a 10. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm never going to roll out a six. Right. I'm always going to roll out a nine and an eight. And then if you can do a ten, hey, God love you. And and we're going to talk about some teams that maybe can roll out a ten. There's probably more of those in the East. But but that's the sort of thing. It's like Phoenix is going to roll out an eight or a nine. You're going to have to roll a ten. Maybe somebody will roll a ten, but we just don't know that yet. And and Phoenix has consistently rolled that eight. And a half, yeah, that yeah. nine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can't roll eight and a half. But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. they they have just played at the consistently highest level. That doesn't mean they're not beatable on a given night, and it doesn't mean that they should be favored in every series. But we got this far, and I just I, I wanted to kick this off by saying let's not ignore the no team no that has yeah. won the most games, even though. We were interested in them. We talked about them at the beginning of the year. We haven't really revisited them specifically. I do want to revisit a question that I asked you, though, because I am wondering if we still need to wait for the playoffs to answer this. Robert, what happens with DeAndre Ayton after this season? I mean, that's an interesting... playing on a qualifying offer. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I mean, that's a great question. I, I think, I still, I still think the Suns resign him. Uh, there is a scenario where they lose in the second round, and that doesn't happen. I, I, I just think if they get at least to the Western Conference Finals even, I think that they will they will pony up the money. I, I think it... I'm just trying to think this through, and it's just like... Who has the money to pay DeAndre Ayton? And there's just not a lot of teams that do. It's like the Spurs and Orlando. Yeah. They're not teams that are... That our DeAndre Ayton is going to want to go to, so I think the the house money is that he stays with the Suns. Yeah, I I feel like for him to not sign with be back with the Suns, it would probably take like he'd have to be the reason they go out early. Like, yeah, like he would have to like his wiener would have to fall out of his shorts <laughs> and he'd have to physically classic trip on wiener it. out of the shorts. He'd have to literally trip over his own dick <laughs> and miss the game ceiling layup. 
in order for you know to, to bounce them in the second round in order for him not to be yeah. like command close to max money like that and i guess that's gonna be the i question. just think it's like yeah like, I mean, will, will somebody be able to give him that max but i mean but if yeah. orlando offers it like i don't think this does does phoenix even have the right to match i don't think they do he's not is it good restricted or unrestricted he's on a qualifying offer right yeah so he should be a ufa yeah, I think he is a UFA. I think they can still. I think there's still team options in that. But I, it's a good question. I don't really know. I still think they can offer the contract. I don't think that that's. I could be totally wrong about that, but I don't think it's one of those things where they couldn't make a max offer. But I, it maybe no, no, they, they they can offer for sure because they have his birds rights. So they, yeah, so they they can go over the cap to to make the offer to sign him for whatever. But they can't match another offer because he's not a restricted free agent. No, for sure. Yeah. So if he signs with somebody else, he signs with somebody else. And that's where I come back to the question of what his market could be because even if he's really good, which he is, and uh, certainly is you know going to be a productive part of a potential champion or a potential finals run team. I, I still come back to the question of whether you should be paying a center max money in the NBA in 2022 if they're not one of the five best centers in the league and the fulcrum of your team. I could go through a huge wormhole here, uh, but there's a team that in my brain, I'm just like, there's a couple teams actually, but the one team that just like, when you're talking to me about this, I'm just like, let's say that it doesn't go well for the 76ers, which we've seen some issues. Mm. Like, where do I send Tobias Harris on a boat? <laughs> you know, and now we have all this cap space, and now we figure out with Harden the timing of it because he hasn't resigned, and we have DeAndre Ayton, Harden, and interesting. And, like I know that's two centers. I know that a little wild as I'm saying it out loud. That might not be the answer, but there there's going to be a team that can throw down cap space and sort of try to. I I, I think if he's on the mark, it's it's kind of a timing thing. It's like. Does Phoenix make the deal really quick, or does it sort of drag? If it starts to drag, then there's going to be like ten teams that are like, "Okay, how do I figure this out?" Yeah, like I know it's like he's definitely a max player. I don't. I, I think that that's always like a misnomer. To me, there's always thirty max deals out there, and truthfully, because owners are not very good with their pocketbooks, forty max deals yeah, out there, right. where people will just they're just like, "We'll pay this guy." You know, and like we'll figure it out later. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly would not, would behoove uh, in Oklahoma City or whatever to just to just offer it. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with Pop at all. Pop may be like, I got the most wins ever. I'm riding off into the sunset. But there is a world where he's just like, fuck it. You know, like. Potal is a nice player. We'll send him off somewhere. And we'll just have DeAndre Ayton. And we'll roll it back and just see what the fuck happens. You know? So I think there's teams that, like... You have to think about the GM, the coach, the structure. The Knicks. I mean, the Knicks are another team. It's like, what do we have to do to figure this out? You know? And he may not be worth it. It may not work out. I'm not saying it's going to work out at all. No. With that. But I I do think there will be teams that will get themselves... Hyped up for the idea. Well, the market will have to be there for then Phoenix to make the choice. Are we going to also try to offer that, right? And I guess then that comes down to is the you know is the result of this season going to be good enough? Because if the vibe is good, winning cures all, right? Yeah, if the vibe I think, is good. Yeah. He resigns. I think if, like you said, his dick falls out, <laughs> then they will. I said wiener. <laughs> well, PG thirteen. Because I'm a gentleman. PG thirteen over here. 
All right, we've we've talked about the Suns. God love them. Yeah. When do we get to the Grizzlies factory? All right, we're right here. We're here. We're tier at the Grizzlies. Two, tier two for we're me. I, I, I feel like the top of tier two at this point. They just completely earned it. And I, I, I have a actually. So I have two teams in in tier in uh, tier two for me. And uh, one we have touched on quite a few times. In fact, I'm fine if we don't talk about them that much right now anyway, because the Warriors are still kind of in flux with a question mark of Curry's health. Yeah. But they're also still a fucking good basketball team, and it's a bunch of guys that we know can play together. Uh, so, so for me, I have the Warriors and Grizzlies right there, and I want to talk about the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies are the Grizzlies. Yeah, no, go for it. The Memphis Grizzlies are the team that I will remember this season for. I think that that's totally fair. I think the like the Suns were the team of last year that are like, oh, the Suns. This is the Grizzlies year. There are guys. I mean, there's no starter on the Grizzlies that I am not rooting for. Yeah. Oh, they're so likable. Yeah. So it's. I think that we've we've sort of. I am so excited to see. I actually watched the Grizzlies game. Unfortunately. I believe without John Morant, but with Dylan, Dylan to come back into the lineup, uh, they have everything that you would think that you need uh, to make a deep playoff run. Again, like I said with the Suns, it might be we look back on the season, they get to the conference finals or even the finals, and we're like, well, we were idiots. We just didn't pick them because they're so young and we just didn't think about it. Yeah, they they have everything you need but the seasoning. Yeah, they have everything except for the year of making a deep run and losing. And I and I will say this: like, I think a lot of these teams we will talk about this, but the Grizzlies, they're going to have trouble in the half court, you know. So if a team can really, so you think about the Warriors, especially that I want to see that series. I want the Warriors to be healthy, and I want the Warriors to be right because I think that that's a, a dueling contrast. Like, both of those teams have advantages over the other ones when they're playing at the full height. The Grizzlies like to run. They like to go. They have Triple J as a is an outside candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Yep. Uh, I mean, Desmond Bain has been insanely good to the point of, like, well, is, you know, what is – you know, he's one of those guys. It's like – what is this ceiling, actually? Maybe I was wrong. You know, like, maybe he's an all-star. You know, that sort of thing. Kyle Slomo Anderson continues to be Kyle Slomo Anderson. Yeah, and he's... Doing Kyle Slomo Anderson things. Well, it's a classic sort of thing, and we'll talk about some other teams that didn't really do this. Somebody like Slomo, like Kyle Anderson, the Grizzlies can play him off the bench now yep. because their organization, their general manager, has been smart enough to make a guy who is a borderline starter, a bench player, because they've built around it so much. They have so Brandon well. Clark coming off the bench yeah. for this team. Uh, you know, they have Zaire Williams. They have, a, they have 10 really good players that could play on most NBA teams. Zaire Williams has played better for them as, as, as we sort of come through it. Um, but we're dancing around the thing that is the thing, and you talked about it. I think you were right, and I was wrong. Uh, that John Morant is a top ten player right now. Oh, and he, feed me! And he is, he is electric, you know. And he is, the, he is, the, he is. I mean, the, you say the Memphis Grizzlies are the story of the season. John it's Morant, John, yeah. you know, is is the is the uh, oh crap, you he, know, like he is the supernova explosion yeah. star. And I, I think it's like um, that's what you want to see. I mean, he is a you know. He has sort of gotten into the headliner tier of like, well, when's job playing? Oh, what are we going to see? And it's like, you just want to. I, I know that I said to somebody else, it's like, um, 
when Marcus Smart hurt Steph Curry, I was just like, if Marcus Smart costs me Steph Curry versus John Morant, I think he oh, should man. be banned from the NBA for <laughs> life. I don't yeah. give a shit if it was a marginal foul. Like, no, no. I, I, I want to I see... I want to see this happen. God right? bless Marcus Smart, by the way. His brand in the NBA is strong enough that everybody, including Steph, including Draymond, yeah. who will never miss a chance to bitch about anything, uh, all <laughs> said, like, that's not dirty. That's Marcus Smart. Everybody knows that Marcus Smart is going to do that. Yeah. So, you know, did he have to? No. But everybody sharing the floor with Marcus Smart knows that if the ball goes to the floor, that's what's going to happen. And I and I will say the West, you know, we kind of denigrated it, but the, you know this this first round line, a matchup that is probably going to happen, which is the Grizzlies versus uh, the Timberwolves. I mean that is super fun. I mean there's there's like there these teams are very sort of like, but yeah, I think the Grizzlies like you worry about them in a situation. I think Phoenix is is a is a well suited team to play the Grizzlies. They're going to take you half court. They're going to hit threes. They're going to try to just, you know, like they're going to do the things that the Grizzlies do not want to do. And that makes them an interesting team, too, because the Grizzlies do have that sort of as great as they've been. It's like, well, will this work? Will this Yeah, thing, I, I'm not necessarily picking them in a series over the Suns or Warriors. Yeah. That's who they wind up seeing, um, you know, as the playoffs break down. Uh, but let's not to get too far away from, once again, singing the praises of John Morant. Because Morant is having one of those special seasons. I think he's having the season everyone thought that Derrick Rose was having when they gave Derrick Rose the fucking MVP. Yeah. Um, and not which is not to say that Derrick Rose was not a great player, but I think Derrick Rose that, that that is an obvious one along with Russell Westbrooks as like the two MVPs that were just completely misassigned in their moment in the last ten years. Yeah. Um, and so I think that Morant, if he's not in your MVP ballot at this point, I just think that you're not watching the Grizzlies because on a Incredibly deep roster, as we both agree, they're full of, of I mean, their they're, they're second guy off the bench at every position could probably start on most teams. Yeah. Not, maybe not Tyus Jones, but like, you know, four, again, when you have Brandon Clark coming off the bench for your team, you're fucking deep. Yeah. That's nuts. And so on a team full of those guys, a team that was ready to kind of make a move, a move forward just by all these guys being better by a year, um, <clears throat> for one player to, to be the heart and soul of the team in the way that he has stepped forward to be, to absorb not only all of the defensive attention every single night, to, to, to draw game plans around himself from the other team, uh, but also to handle to, to handle handle that burden with the press, to handle that burden with, you know, uh, every single, uh, being the player who's the most in demand, right, yeah. on, on a team because your team is good. This is the kind of thing that you're seeing when you see a Giannis Antetokounmpo mature into that role. Or when Lillard did. This is a guy who can lead a franchise. Well, here's the thing about I would say about him, and you bring up Derek Rose. I think there's a couple, there's two other players I sort of want to bring up here. Because he gets the Iverson comp a bunch. Yeah. And I and coming out of college right now is Jaden Ivey, who are like, he's Morant-like. And he is. You watch Jaden Ivey. If anybody watches college basketball, Purdue. Jaden Ivey, you're like, man, this dude's like a tall Morant. Here's the thing that Morant has. And... Alan Iverson is a Hall of Famer, great player. Derrick Rose, like you said, is an MVP. I don't, I don't know that it's that fraudulent. You know, there's definitely more fraudulent MVPs that I've witnessed in my life. No, but I mean, that was that LeBron was the MVP for sure. But I'm, I'm just saying, it's like it's not. No, he was the number two that year. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not saying like when I think of top three, uh, Rose is not in that top three for me. 
this is the thing that John Moran has. Even though his athleticism is definitely the number one skill that he has, he can pass. He can pass in a oh, way yeah. that's just like a super, super high level in a way that, God bless all three of those guys, they just can't. There's a lot of talent. Like, when I even when I watch a young kid like Jaden Ivey, I'm really excited about it. Like, the athleticism is there. Like, that, all that stuff is there. But I think that people who don't watch basketball don't see how the reason that these guys on Memphis are so good is that Ja Morant can get them the ball in the right spaces. And that's such a rare skill. And it may, and it, it adds a level to him that is like, well, crap. You know, like, could he, you know, this might be not be the year because they're a little too young. But this team is, is legit in a way, as much as I love the grit and grind Grizzlies, is a legit in a way that that team just isn't because well, of him. It, because that team never had a never had a yeah. true superstar. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's always easier to start with a true superstar and get good enough role players. And I would say that he's got super overqualified role players at this point. I, I mean, yeah, they, they're not seasoned. They haven't gone through the multiple playoff battles yet. But I mean, talent wise, it's hard to look at this group and it's, not say it, it's, it's it, enough. Last year when we were watching them and we were really excited about them in the playoff uh, playing game. Dylan Brooks was the second best player on this team, mm-hmm. and we're not even—we haven't even talked about him. No, I, well, so I that—I yeah. mean, that's partially injury, but it's partially because Desmond Bain and Triple J have just kind of risen. Yeah, so Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson has grown into the player that that I thought I, I was big, big. On I was too. I, yeah. I, I've always. I was Jared also Jackson. huge on Brandon Clark um, yeah. coming out of college. I was not. I and no I have been—I have been a big <laughs> Stephen Adams fan for a long, long time, and. And he was another little kind of missing piece of the chemistry. It's weird to think of Stephen Adams at whatever he is now, twenty nine or whatever, as being the old man of the group. But the guy's, the guy's been in the in the league for. Almost I think 10 if years. you run, he's one of those guys. There's a lot of bigs like this in the NBA. If your point guard can run pick and roll with them, they're thirty percent better. And he, unfortunately, in New Orleans, had guards that had no fucking clue what they were doing. Right. And so that's just like it's it's one of those things. It's like this is just Stephen Adams that we saw at Oklahoma City, you know, and is a very very borderline all star sort of player. He's not the defensive player he once was. Yeah, where he was never necessarily like a linchpin anchor the whole defense kind of player, but he was good enough, especially uh, you know at, at at the end of the the uh, the Durant Westbrook um, era. There, he was good enough to to like to guard. You know, five feet from the rim, and then recover out to the three-point line to the open man if he needed to. That did happen. Like we, I physically saw it with my own eyes. Yeah, yeah. And so that that was that was a value that he could bring on defense that I just don't think he has anymore. He, he and he doesn't he really need it on this team. No, but but he can also now be a savvy, smart veteran player in a way that he never had to be before. I don't think he's like the highest IQ uh, defensive player either. But what I'm saying is he brings that kind of quality and has matured into a here's how to be a professional veteran in a way that were any of us expecting this from a guy who's what maybe 30 years old i i, I didn't necessarily know yeah know that he could be a missing piece that way but i wonder I mean, I mean, how yeah. much this team can gel without him or a player like him in that role i think yeah i mean i i think it's just like soaking up the first shift as the start nominal yeah. starter even though Triple J is going to play more minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think they. I mean, we haven't even talked about the coach, but the coach is is a very is what's his name? I don't even remember his name, but they have great coaching. I mean, they have every they the Memphis Grizzlies have everything but seasoning, 
And and this is the Dylan Brooks question. I completely forgot Taylor Jenkins' name as yeah, well. Yeah. Taylor Jenkins is a very good coach. And they have everything but like this coach in this situation, these players in this situation. And also, you wonder adding Dylan Brooks to the mix, are they will they have enough three point shooting? That's the sort of like the sort of again, when we get we're we're not talking about like I would obviously pick them in the first round, but when we're talking about the Suns and the Warriors of the world, those teams can just shoot you out of the building. And so it's like, that's going to be the question for Memphis. We haven't seen Dylan Brooks the whole year. That's why this team is exciting. Like a lot of West teams, it's like, well, when this piece comes in, this guy was really good. This guy's a dog. This guy can hit threes in, in, in clutch situations. This guy can do everything. And like, is this going to be, is this going to, Way where you have the Grizzlies now, they might be even a little step higher than we think. So I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's super exciting that this team sort of broke all of our expectations, and I'm excited to see them in the playoffs. And you know, yeah, I, I don't need to belabor anything you just said because I think that speaking to the question of, uh, they're obviously fun because it's fun to watch John Morant and it's fun to watch everybody else playing well around him. Yeah. Um, but the question of how good can they be and how good they can they be at this relatively early stage in development? Um, this is as good as I've seen. Uh, let's call it a, a third year team, right? With like this core group of guys playing together, even though they've added pieces. But it, it, it's rare to see a team at this level. This this it reminds me of the the Camp Thunder. Oklahoma City teams. It reminds me of when oh, yeah, yeah. of when we saw uh, Durant, Harden, and Westbrook make that unexpected run to the finals. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the outcome, but let's circle right back around. We've, we've said enough about their competitiveness. Like they, They're clearly going to be a very good team that we expect a lot of in the playoffs. Um, let's also just once again emphasize that John Morant is so fucking great and fun. Yeah, because because he is the guy that I remember from this year that I will remember. No, um, and yeah. when when you were saying that the thing that makes him different from those other players you mentioned was uh, his passing. What you're saying is that he's a real point guard. On yeah, top of uh, yeah. uh, and meaning he's not able to just pass, but he can create from every level of the floor. He can create as being one of the most uh, athletic and interesting uh, lane driver finishers in the league. Um, there's no one who's more fun to see take a step into the key than John Morant right now. Um, because he might be doing it uh, in fifth gear, or he might be doing it in second gear, and he might be ready to to blast over everyone for a dunk, or he might be reaching around someone with his left to 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 to, uh, to put the floater game up. Right? Um, <clears throat> he can do that. He can pull up from literally anywhere at any time, which is not to say that he's you know the Steph Trey imitation brand, uh, yeah. you know three point shooter, but. But but I mean I I've, I I can't count how many times I'm sure there's a compilation of it uh, on YouTube by now of the number of thirty plus foot shots he's taken um, because he could or because he had to. I mean I I think it's like there are so many guys uh, I I am in you know I've been watching a bad Rockets team and like there's always this sort of thing of very athletic guys who can do a lot of different things but if only they could shoot right. And that's the sort of thing. There's Jay Nivey kid from Purdue. It's like his shots, honestly, better right now than John Morant's was at the same time. He doesn't have the passing skills, but he can shoot better. But and he hasn't been taking them against NBA defenders. Yeah, for sure. All, all of that stuff. I mean, college is very hard to judge yeah. in that way. But it's like to me, there's so many cases of these guys that people fall in love with, 
and that doesn't come. It, it's just sort of like this is gonna be this is gonna be it. You know, you're gonna be facing Jaw in the playoffs, and he's a different level. As much as I like some of these other guys that have come through the pipe, the athleticism plus the passing plus, like you said, being able to pull up from anywhere. And plus Memphis, I have to say, I can't say this enough. Memphis's organization, because we're going to talk about this a little more when we get to other teams, how they failed at this totally. Memphis going, hey, we got this guy. Let's build a team around him. And let's build the right guys. Let's build long defensive guys around him. So his one flaw, which is really like, he's never going to be super great on defense. He won't, it, he won't have to worry about that. Nope. Because we're going to have a ton of guys who are two inches and two-inch wingspan longer than you think they should be, and they're all going to play around him. I think that, that you can't stress that enough. They have the talent, but they're also building in a way to maximize that talent. And so like that, that to me is like, I mean, uh, you know, A-plus all around. For Most me. successful drafting team in that respect since the Warriors. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like... Every single player on this team, I would also, except, for, yeah. except for Steven Adams, came, is a homegrown player. And and it started with it, it started with them... I, I think they, they drafted uh, Triple J first, and then once they had him and then Morant came in, they started building around Morant. Yeah. And they knew that that was the plan. And look, every it doesn't take a genius to say, yeah, just get a really good point guard, then build around them, or get a, get a star and build around them. But it, it's, it's panned out for them. And they've stuck by the right guys to develop them the right way. That that we're gonna, this this is a homegrown success story the way that we saw with the Warriors. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. <laughs> let's move on. Speaking of the Warriors, let's just quickly hit on them. Go ahead. I think it's a it's a very easy conversation, which is just will they be healthy? You know, and I I know they have some flaws. I know people keep waiting for Wiseman to come, and I think they if they if you live in a world where Draymond Green is healthy and Steph Curry is healthy, um. Clay will slowly get better. Clay seems like he's rounding back up. I mean, it's just the nature of the injury. And I think I said this before. It's like these injuries, you're not going to be perfect. But as you play more, you'll be better, right? And so the clay that we see right now, even clay a month from now, is going to be better than the clay we're seeing right now. And the clay we see right now is better than a month ago. So it's like I'm not that worried about it. That's That's like extra sauce, right? I think Kaminga can do some of the things that you wanted James Wiseman to do, and you can do Kaminga plus Looney plus Draymond Green. If Draymond Green is healthy, then this this sort of all opens up for them. And again, if Steph Curry is healthy, there's a lot of ifs. I think the worry you have with the Warriors is similar to some, a team like the Nets, where it's just like we're waiting late in the day to sort of sort of figure out like to figure this all out. So so they're. They're playing, you know, right now as we speak, they're going to get to probably play either a Denver or a Minnesota. If they play a Denver, I think that's perfect for them. They're going to get kind of get to grow into the playoffs. And and that's, I think, they're going to be super dangerous. I think if the Warriors are the type of team, if they have even a tough first-round series, that's probably big warning signs. Because if they, if they come in and they're six or seven-game first-round series – if they hit a team like Memphis, that might be where you go, oh, you know, this didn't really work out. But if they're sort of beating a team in four or five games and you're like, oh, the Warriors are fine, then this could go the other way. But it's all about health for them. I think they could totally win the championship, but I, but we're just waiting on these 
key guys to be healthy. It's for sure about health. Um, you didn't mention Jordan Poole, who I think has been really great for them. Um, Kaminga is ahead of anybody's schedule for Kaminga. I have a weird relationship with that guy because I do not follow like recruiting and college stuff at all that much. Uh, but I went to Texas Tech. And he was on the the final list of uh, like like three colleges for uh, uh, like and I was like wait this guy like one of the I think he was the top yeah. prospect in his class at that and then at that he point. went to the G League yeah. right yeah and then he decided to go pro instead uh, which you know good everyone should but um, but I but I have been kind of like keenly hyped on him for a long time so. I'm not, bl- I'm not. I'm not shocked. I guess I'm just shocked that, like, wow, the player that I thought was going to be good that well, might go to my school actually turned out to be good. I, yeah. <laughs> I, well, here's the thing. I think about this shit all the time, and I, uh, the player I was wrong about the most is Scotty Barnes because I thought he should be six, and he's definitely in that realm of you know top three or four players. Kaminga, I had fourth on my list. I had him after the Cade. I had it Mobley, Green, Cade, Kaminga. I was. I was sort of flabbergasted that anybody could pick Jalen Suggs or Scotty Barnes above him or any of these guys or or, or Josh Giddy. Uh, I feel like Giddy and Barnes I was sort of wrong about. Suggs I was honestly even too high on because I had him fifth. But I am a huge Kaminga person. To me, he has all the effing talent in the world. Like I, It's one of those guys you watch that guy play – and you are waiting. I think his shot has been better than people expected, but man, that dude can do everything. And he's so athletic defensively. And, you know, so I could talk a lot about Kaminga. It'll, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see him play in the playoffs for the first time. Yeah. And uh, when you say it, it all comes down to health for them, of course, obviously. The reason that I still have them in tier two, uh, yeah. along with the Grizzlies and ahead of everybody else, is that I think that if you can get Draymond and Steph on the court, and you have a Warriors team playing like seventy five percent capacity. I think that team beats all the teams below them in my the next years. So we can get to the next years. Yeah, yeah. Because, I, because I know that you probably. I think you think think a lot more of the Wolves than I do. And, well, and, and yeah. That, well, let's that, go. As a fun team that I've enjoyed watching this year, I, I, I do not th- expect my tier three is in order: Jazz, Nuggets, Mavericks, Wolves. Okay, so I would probably have that same order. I'd probably flip the Mavericks over the Nuggets, but like, I don't think. So let's talk about the Jazz because I I want to talk about them juxtaposed to the Memphis Grizzlies because mm-hmm. people are gonna they're gonna play the Mavericks probably, and if they lose to the Mavericks, people are either gonna blame Donovan Mitchell. Or they're going to blame Rudy Gobert. They're going to blame Mitchell at this point. Go, because Gobert's going to win in DPOY. Well, what I'm saying is they're going to blame one of the players. Yeah. One of these two guys. And I will tell you that the reason they're losing is their front office. Because the players around them are hot garbage. Yeah. Like, I, if, if we talk about, like, we're going to talk about the Mavericks in a little bit. We're even going to talk about the Timberwolves. And I'm not that high on them. I'm excited. I, I think it's, it's nice that they're, they're a good story. Yeah. But we're talking about the role players of both of those teams compared to the Jazz. Like, what the fuck are we doing? They are playing heavy minutes, a guy, Daniel House, that was on the Houston Rockets, and he's not any good. Like, I, you know, he, he's one of those guys that, like, he'll have a great game whenever five games, and you'll be like, he's, like, got Austin Rivers syndrome. Like, where he'll do a game where you're like, or Kyle Kuzma syndrome, where he'll do a game where you're like, whoa. But 
that that's their like hope off their bench is just they let Joe Ingles' value dwindle to literally zero and then traded him. They it is I love Mike Conley as a player. But having he, a good year. He's having a good year. I I think that it's I just think that this team is it's going to be a fire sale. You know, like yeah. they're either going to lose in the first or second round. And I think they're going to trade probably either Rudy Gobert. They're probably going to trade Rudy Gobert. And that's going to be a mistake. And they're going to, because their players three through eight are just not good enough. I think they're going to try to trade Conley to the Lakers, but we'll see. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I think that like, I mean, I, I'm just like, there, again, I, I've talked about this before, so I don't want to belabor it. But I know the Wolves fans, or Wolves fans, the, the Jazz fans love Royce O'Neal. God love you. Bogdan Bojanovic, he's not Daniel House. He doesn't do it one every five games. He does it one every three games. He literally can't guard on the perimeter at all. Turns out uh, Jordan Clarkson is just Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson is Jordan Clarkson. He's he's not the hot garbageiest out of all the hot garbage, but he's not. Great. You're getting really excited about your backup center, Whiteside. I mean, I this is this team has Rudy Gay playing minutes. Yeah, so it's it's just like I know that the hot takes over the when you listen to other podcasts will either be a Donovan Mitchell hot take or a Rudy Gobert hot take. But let me just say that this is an organizational and structural problem. In that, unlike Memphis, they never built around these guys in a way that was smart or intelligent at all. I disagree with you. And, and honestly, I, because I I don't disagree that they did not put good enough players around them. That That's correct. I think the problem is less that the role players aren't good enough. And it's that we're topping out at what having Donovan and Gobert as your best players can be. That's it. Uh, because in order for them to keep pace... You don't necessarily need Donovan Mitchell to turn into a John Morant-level player, but you need him to keep getting better. And I don't think he's gotten better. I think his defense has fallen way off compared to where he was effort-wise when he came into the league. Um, I think that Gobert is, uh, you know, he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year, um, which I guess you got to give it to somebody, and that's all he does, so great. But I still think he gets schemed out of every out of every um, series um, uh, offensively. And I just don't think that you have a, th- a third player who's even remotely good enough to carry. Like, like, like if you had a DeMar DeRozan in, like, alongside these guys, you don't need, like, a top level. Because DeRozan is as good of a season as he had, and we'd like that. DeRozan is, I think, in my mind, fallen. Nobody's putting him on the MVP ballot. Nobody's, like, he's 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 going to be a third team all. I mean, honestly, year. I don't, yeah. <clears throat> but, but I'm saying, like, I, I'm trying to use him as an example of he'd be a gigantic upgrade over anybody else. And you need at least one more player of that level if if your best players are capped at the ceilings that Gobert and uh, so and here's the here's the thing I I so I think I sort of generally agree with you but I would just say I, I guess my thing is like I do think the upside of this team could have been a Western Conference finalist team for sure and in a in a, in the right year a finals team. And I think that you're probably right that the upside is not a championship team. But I think that to take these two players and only and lose in the first round mostly 
and sometimes getting the second round and losing the second round is because the build around these players is just not good enough. And I honestly, I probably agree with you on the Mitchell stuff. I think that there's a little bit of what we saw in Boston until very recently where those two guys have finally kind of hit what we think their potential is. There's a little bit of with Donovan Mitchell of just like he gets his way way too much and he doesn't take any of the blame on that team. Rudy Gobert takes all of the blame and Rudy Gobert is running all around because they have no perimeter defenders. I know Mike Conley, he's probably their best perimeter defender. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. He, he is like a B minus. Yeah, he's old as shit. Yeah, like Rudy Gobert gets schemed out of things because he's trying to guard the corner three while he's trying to guard the center. And like no one can do that. He's not multiple man. Like I, you know, like I don't. I think if you built a team and you were smart and you drafted well and you were, you were just making moves that weren't very temporary and just stupid. I don't even think the Mike the Mike Conley move is fine. The other moves they've made around and the guys they haven't moved off of, especially in the forward spots, are just epically mind blowing to me and. They're going to get what they deserve, and they're going to say it's because we're a small market and nobody wants to come here. But I don't think they need a DeMar DeRozan-level player. I think that they just need quality defensive perimeter players that they could have gotten on the market and were there. But instead of... I mean, I know I'm a Rockets fan. I know this is what I'm going to say, and this is the thing that's jumping to my mind. But instead of trying to get Eric Gordon, who could actually help you in a playoff series... And actually, has one it been in playoff series and can shoot the three and can defend on the perimeter? You get some guy from New Orleans that can't even play on New Orleans. This is the decision that the Jazz have made over and over and over again, and they're getting what they deserve. I think if they got an Eric Gordon or name the next best, you know, upgrade the talent around them. I think all you're doing is raising their ceiling back to what they we thought they could have been the last few years. For sure, when we were projecting a more bright, optimistic future for them of growth. Yeah. And to me, I feel like the and again, I don't mean to like. Let me make this very clear. Donovan Mitchell's fucking great, and yeah. Rudy Gobert is a really important and valuable player for any team, right? But just these two guys together don't have enough sauce. They don't have enough juice together uh, to, to, to drive winning at that next level. And one or the other of them had to step up in a big way. Frankly, Gobert is the more one-dimensional player and always will be. And so, to me, when you look at Donovan Mitchell and compare him to like a player who statistically he comps out very close to, like Devin Booker. Yeah. And then you think to yourself, do you really think that Devin Booker... Like, like is Donovan Mitchell as as crucial to the overall mix or ability to just like to, to, to elevate a team in a playoff series the way that the Booker is for the Suns. Because, because, because if I tell you that Booker is going to get hot and average, you know, 46 a game in the playoffs, you can believe uh, that. Yeah. Whereas, whereas Mitchell can put up 46 on a given night. Right. But, but, <laughs> but, but does not, but, but has, but has never, but has never matured into it just, it, it seems to me like, like he has been at this level for a three years straight. But to me, like if, if Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert were playing next to Mikel Bridges and, I mean, whatever the equivalent of DeAndre Ayton is. Then, at the they'd front, be, then they'd be the Jazz from last year and two years ago. They would No, they would get to the conference finals. They would be a really okay, a lot better. Barely better than the team they've been for the last They would get years. to the finals. I, I don't think a that they would be that. A lot of people projecting the Jazz as being that for years. No, no, I get it. But their second and their third and fourth best players are 
and over the hill Mike Conley and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Like it is, the you have to think about the players around them. Like there's yeah. there there's like. <clears throat> I don't want to. I, the Jazz made me want to puke. No, that, that's I, that's I, the, we're we're both disappointed because yeah, I, because I, I honestly want to talk about isn't there already. I know that. I want honestly want to talk about the next team because they have fans that actually listen to the podcast, and I feel like I was a little wrong about them. And I'm actually excited about this team for the first time in years, and that is the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. Um, look, Spencer Dimwitty, I apologize. Like I. I guess it was just the Washington Wizards fan that that franchise just fucking sucks. It's just like a garbage sieve hole that if you play there, you're just going to be fucking garbage. This lineup of Spencer Dimwitty, um, Jalen Brunson, Luka Doncic, those three guards, so much fun to watch. It's like watching a college team. It's like watching a three-man weave. It's like we're doing Hoosiers. Luka Doncic is so good. He's old. He's slow. He's not old. I get it. he's not no, old. No, but he has old man game. He's got an old man game. He's white is what you He's taller than everyone else. I mean, I I went, I literally from the trade deadline when he went from like, I don't want to fucking watch this team. I'd rather die to like, I want to watch this team. This is fun. This is, I, I don't know how far they'll go in the playoffs. I'm not saying anything like that. But like, at least makes sense. It makes sense for the coach. It makes sense for the the organization of the team. Um, they're going to have some problems with Dwight Powell as their starter. I was going to say, yeah, as soon as they <laughs> play anybody with a player over seven feet. Yeah, they're gonna they're definitely going to have some problems. But I I am not a huge Dwight Powell fan. We've I've said this on the podcast, but I I get I, Dallas fans. I get it. I get the trade three ball handlers. You have two ball handlers on the floor. I don't all the think time. the plan. I don't think the plan was to have three ball handlers. To be honest with you, I like I when I okay. So we when we did the trade uh, reaction yeah. podcast, we were we were buying white lilies to send to the grave of the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, not no. quite that, but 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 the thinking behind because we were like that is what you got for Porzingis because like and 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 let's let's also be very clear Porzingis is the best player in that trade and he's actually played fine he's for played the great Wizards for the Wizards and, yeah, like, that death hole of a franchise but the thing everyone's afraid everyone is afraid of for him is will the health ever hold out right yeah. um but the thinking behind it was and the reason why I said you shouldn't slit your wrist if you're a Mavericks uh, uh, fan is because you took one contract that could never live up to the value of what it was signed for and you broke it into two more manageable sized chunks, and you could then do more with them, potentially move them. And hey, if one of those players plays a little bit better, a little closer to its value, it's looking a lot better. And this Dinwiddie is not the Dinwiddie I expect. Like, it's not the uh, the the ice in his veins hits every buzzer beater Dinwiddie that we've seen of the last couple of weeks. Like, I I, I do think that shot is going to be there for him potentially in the playoffs, and I just don't think that you should expect him to be a lot. You know, lock it in sharpshooter, snipe, win the game every time kind of shooter. That being said, he's clearly playing much better across the board than he than he did in Washington. And I think you're right that the, that the chemistry mix between him and Doncic and having Brunson is, those lineups are a lot of fun to watch. Um, I think that, that if Dinwiddie doesn't continue to play to the level he's been like, quite this good, that's you're still getting the value you needed out of the half of a Porzingis contract that you traded him for. And that's what I think is has been working for them. That being said, 
I don't think this team has has that high of a ceiling in the playoffs. Um, I mean, their ceiling is what it was before, which is how how hot, how insane can Luca be? And and they still have a lot of work to do in the offseason. I mean, I, I think that, um, yeah, so here's what I would say. They have uh, been white hot, and it does sound like you think that's real, like that's going to hold. No, I don't think it's real in the sense of, like, I don't think they're going to go to the conference final. I think they're a second-round team right now. Well, that's, I mean, this is what I was going to say, is, like, Right now they're going to face the Jazz. We just we just went over right the whole sort of Jazz thing. If that matchup happens, sorry, but, but sorry, but when you're talking about this group of, of teams, you're talking about a three game difference. With yeah, for sure. But, like, and, like, so if it doesn't the, happen, the if it doesn't happen, yeah. throw it in the garbage. But I mean, I'm just thinking about Luca, and I I, do, I I think you're right that Dimwitty is, and and I I shit on this trade from Two the Dallas. Spread. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, sorry. I shit on this trade from the Dallas point of view. So like. I agree with what you're saying. Like I, you're right. Dimly is not going to be the you know whatever the hell he, the great teammate hitting game winning shots. That's not who he's going to be. But I do think Luca will make him better than he was definitely in Washington. And Luca just makes everyone better. And I think that when you get into a situation with a team like the Jazz, that playoff series is going to come up. You're going to ask me like who's going to win that series, and. I'm not going to be a moron. I would rather lose with Luca than bet against Luca and then Luca, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I I think that like I think that this is just sort of like it makes sense in a way. I don't think a Rudy Gobert is going to really hurt Dwight Powell. I do think a scoring big would. And so if you just get into the next round and and there's a scoring big, I think they would have a horrible time against Phoenix again. Uh, a lot of teams would, but like I just think that this makes more sense for the coach of what he wants to do. This makes more, it just makes a lot of sense. You'll figure out the center thing and get a guy who's just two or three inches taller, and that'll be fine. I do think there is a little bit of pressure on Luca because we've had two first round series where he lost. He played great, he played amazing. But I do think it's like, you know, how many of these first round, you know, like you, you can become some of this, this guy who just loses in the first round. So I, I do think there's more pressure on the Mavericks than people maybe were, are generally talking about because no one's going to care how great he played if you say to me, oh, he lost in the first round in a 4-5 toss-up series every time. Like, the thing of, like, Kawhi going insane, and I don't even remember the series before. It might have been Jokic that they lost to the first time. But I do think that this is, we're getting to the point where he's in the playoffs enough so that great performances are not going to be enough. He's going to have to actually push this team over the line and win a playoff series. Uh, but I just like watching the Mavericks, and I didn't before. Like, I, I think yeah. that's my general consensus. I don't think they're going to go super far, but... They spent half the season thing. in a coma, yeah. this team. And and if we haven't made the comparison before, I'm sure we have. But, like, Luka feels a lot like Shaq at this point, where it's very clear that he can be the most dominant player in any game like yeah. it is very clear that he can be one of the most one of the most dominant players in the entire sport but shows up out of shape but doesn't try that hard to start the year and then tries harder as the year goes on and and then when they start to need win games suddenly he's playing even better like i mean he has raised his level of play and that is the thing we have not said at this point like the reason they're winning so much is that luca's better than he's been yeah and i am so jealous that you just call him the shack of the because it's so fucking true god damn it that is a good fucking comp Jack, uh, well because this is two years in a I'm row like now where he started so slow and been no i mean i i think all of this is like sort of the luca show it's like if you, you know, if you 
that's why I say there is pressure on him because he. You are right. I think you're so right that Porzingis is the best player in that trade, and you didn't want to play with him. Right. And so you you take that you're out of shape every year. So I it's a, I do think it's a very intriguing playoffs. And honestly, I thought before that I would not be intrigued by any Utah matchup, but I <laughs> would kind of be intrigued by this just because of the dynamics of it. I just want to say one more thing before we move off of mm-hmm. Dallas. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is who people think Rocher O'Neal is. And Dorian Finney-Smith is actually a really good player, a really oh. good role player. Well, that would be but, nice for the Mavs fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that guy is, is really, really good. Is, Again, it weird, is it weird that I only call him daily fantasy sports in my head? <laughs> because his name is DFS. Oh, yeah. And, that's funny. and, and, and that I, is weird. <laughs> and I don't gamble, and, and I think all that shit's dumb. Yeah. But if you are around sports content enough, like you just hear DFS, DFS, DFS. Yeah, yeah. So let's move. <laughs> that, I, don't, I don't even know what to say to that. But let's move on to the Nuggets. Nuggets? Nuggets. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing to talk about this team because there's always this sort of, it, like you talked about with the Clippers, like the Nets, uh, sort of with the Lakers too. It's like there's this like, well, what if these guys come back? You know, the Bulls have that sort of too. Mm-hmm. What if these guys come back? Just evaluating this team that they have, I will say that the thing that sticks out at me is that, and Jokic is a, is a great player. He's a, he's a really, really great player. But I, I don't think this line, I don't think the rest of the roster is as bad as the media per, portrays it to be. That's, oh. That's a hundred percent what I was about to say because yeah. because I have this team higher than the Mavericks in my my tier in yeah. this this one and when you actually like look at the players that uh, that are playing that are fully healthy your Aaron Gordons your Will Bartons your Monte Morris's they're all having nice little seasons no one is playing super above their head uh, Aaron Gordon is you know is what he is if you're expecting more out of him uh, at this stage in his development cool. that's you're, you're you're barking up the wrong tree but I think that that they have they're the example of like what if all the guys in Utah were 15 to 20 percent better yeah all and of I, them and I will and, say and on top of that what yeah. if what if what if your best player was the reigning and soon to be two-time MVP? Because we'll, we'll talk about MVP in the next episode we do. Yeah. But to me, I feel like Jokic is pretty much locked it again. I disagree with that, but we'll okay. talk about that more. Um, I there's w- still 10 games and there's room. Yeah, uh, but, but, I, but, but, I, but, but I think he's pulling ahead. I think he's going to win it. But here's the thing, and this is part of the reason I don't think he is. I, and maybe it's just bias, but I watched about five Nuggets games. He played all right in three of them. In two of those games... Aaron Gordon won one of those games all by himself, and Bones Highland won another one of those games all by himself. And there are guys on the Nuggets teams, unlike the Mavericks, who I just spent praising the Mavericks. There are guys on the Nuggets teams. Aaron Gordon, we're just one season away from the Orlando Magic getting first three first round picks for Aaron Gordon. He is a lot better than I think the media sort of portrays him to be. And when you watch a game, you're like, oh, okay, this guy. I I I think like there are some nights when Jokic... I'm just watching the games. I'm not doing all the statistical warps and florps. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm i just like... Every time I watch Luka, every time I watch John Morant, every time I watch Giannis, those dudes are the best player on the floor when I watch those games. Mm-hmm. That is not always true with this guy. It is true. You're just not watching. And, and, and I am watching these games. He has led... The, Jokic has led the league in PER since the first week of December. This feels... Okay. Jokic he, is the best player. Westbrook in the had a lot of triple doubles. 
I I feel like this is the this these arguments feel very similar. They're the seventh team in the West, and they feel so similar to the Westbrook arguments that it's sort of I'm starting to have like flashback. I don't want to get into the MVP thing. The 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 Nuggets though, I would just say I think they're a good team. I think they would be a little bit scary for you because I do think they have good players. I don't I mean I I've watched DeMarcus Cousins do this show a few times. Him and Bones Highland seem to have a great relationship off the bench, but I wouldn't trust DeMarcus Cousins as far as I could throw him, and he's seven feet tall. Uh, I would just say with the Nuggets, I don't think Jamal Murray's going to come back. I don't think Michael Porter Jr. is going to come back. I think this is going to be 3-6, uh, probably against the Warriors. I agree. And I would think that the Warriors would handle it pretty easily. Uh, I, I mean, I agree because I think the Warriors are a more complete team, even at 75%, as I said earlier. Um, but that being said, the Nuggets are three games out of being the three seed. So, like, with ten games to play... Yeah, they could also be this. the seven seed in like, the playing <clears throat> game, too. So. Uh, that's true. That's true. But I but I think that uh, out of every team that we have talked about since we have talked about uh, Golden State, uh, he's the best player in every single one of those series. And I, I don't understand... I don't, like, I don't, yeah. I think... I kind of feel like... Yeah, I don't I kind disagree of like with that, kind of honestly. sleeping on Jokic at this point because... Because... Hey, really, yeah. I genuinely think that because he had one of the quietest, quietest MVP seasons ever, and part of that was because of like just the 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 COVID year, like the 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 first year of COVID. Uh, you know, fans not being in the arenas, uh, the TV deals being all fucked up, and uh, the fact that he won. And I think a lot of people don't know that he won MVP last year, like literally. Like, your casual NBA fan does I, not know who he I is. I get to the casual NBA fan, the media wants Jokic to win this MVP. Well, I, I, I think he's going to win it. Okay. Do you want to put a marker down for... Yeah, let's put a marker down. Let's talk about the MVP no, more. No, no, I'll, I'll take Jokic. Do you want to take the field? No, I, I think you're probably right. I think it's going to be the wrong decision. Okay, all right. That's what I would say. Well, we're going to talk, we're going to talk MVP next time, but I didn't want, I didn't want the time to pass... Without noting that, like, as much as we expected the Nuggets to be, like, just fall out of contention because they are missing, you know, arguably their their second and third best player. Like, theoretically, their second and third best players. Um, they've hung. No, they, and, they and, totally and, have. And they've yeah. hung in this pack. And it's taken a Dallas Mavericks team with a player as transcendently great as Luka Doncic raising his game to out-of-his-mind levels again to catch up. It's taken... You know, I mean, the the Jazz are the Jazz, and the fact that they're in the place that they are, we we have damned them, uh, not with faint praise, with direct criticism, and they're two games ahead. Uh, I feel like this this I feel like out of all these teams uh, that we talked about since the Warriors, the the Nuggets are the most obviously hamstrung yeah, by just sure. a lack of play, by a lack of players that they already have. I I, I that I would, that, yeah. that if that if we're coming into this to if we're having this conversation six months from now going into next year and everybody is healthy. I think that we're going to see the Nuggets as a very trendy pick to to potentially win the West next year. I think it's very fair to say. I don't I don't disagree with anything you're saying. When I say that Jokic shouldn't be the MVP, it doesn't mean I think he shouldn't be second or third. Okay. And I I would say that you are right. But besides Steph Curry in this top in this non-play-in mix, he he and Steph Curry are the best two sort of can hit the highest ceiling of these players. So I, I agree with all that. And I also agree if Michael Porter Jr. was playing and if Jamal Murray was playing, 
I mean, it would, I would, that would be an interesting thing with the Suns of who has the best record and also be an interesting thing with the Suns and the Warriors of who's going to win that. Also, throw a healthy Clippers team into that mix and let's, yeah. let's, yeah, let's yeah, see, for sure. Let's, let's see if we're talking four or five teams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so I, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think I, I get angry about this marginal argument that I'm having, but like, I, I don't disagree with that. I will say, my big, I want to say this because my big question for the Nuggets, like moving forward next year, because I don't think these guys will come back, is, or I don't think they'll come back healthy enough to really sort of make a difference. I don't expect it either. Jamal Murray is, has the same sort of injuries that Clay has. Clay, it's yeah. going to take a while. Uh, and that's not because he's not the player he was. It's just that's how these injuries work, unless you're Kevin Durant and a, a miracle worker. Uh, my question is Bones Highland's really good. He's a very small player, athletic player. He can shoot the three. He's just crazy all over. The, I mean, he is a very exciting player to watch. I want to know in my brain. I'm like, I don't. I'm throwing Monte Morris in the garbage. I'm throwing fucking uh, what's the other? I like Morris. Fuck and, off. Yeah, I'm throwing. I know. I, I'm throwing Barton in the garbage. I want to know. I want to see Jamal Murray, Bones Highland. I want to see that backcourt. I want to see what's happening. Uh, I'm very interested to see if that'll work, or if, I mean, Highland can obviously be the third guard. I think of the two the two guards they have right now starting. I think Monte Morris is a definite starter in the NBA. He's an up. He's like a he's like a a plus Gary Harris. He gives you like all the things they thought they could have gotten from Gary Harris. Yeah. Monte Morris actually gives them that. Yeah. Um, yeah, if he's your third guard, you're in great shape. Yeah, but I I am just sort of so excited about Jokic plus. This team next year, I just want to I, basketball gods give us the give us health, give us health for just one year. I just want to see it. I just want to see all this. So and also basketball gods, let us never go another NBA season without a player named Bones. I know Bones. What is so that? Uh, so, okay, I know you have quick hits on some of the other ones. Uh, uh, well, no, I, I just want to talk there's, about. There's only one more major team that yeah. we haven't really talked about that is in the bottom of my tier three. But that is still above the play-in group, or actually, it's in the play-in group right now. But but a team that we haven't covered that much, a team that that we both I think find frisky and interesting. Yeah. But that I ultimately think is not a very good team and not very close to being a very good team. Well, I, I and I want to hear what you think about the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah. So I I honestly think this is sort of an interesting thing, and I think that. The reason that Memphis can be so good is there's an obvious pecking order, and John Moran is at the top of this pecking order. The reason I think the Mavericks are sort of playing above potential is that there's an obvious pecking order. Minnesota Timberwolves have the issue of, I think Ant is the best player on this team. Like, I watched this team, and when Ant is great, he's really great, right? He's just, he's just like insanely great. Unfortunately for him, so there's sometimes when D'Angelo Russell decides that he is the best player on this team and they have games that they lose because D'Angelo D'Angelo Russell has a great season. I'm not I don't want to bury D'Angelo Russell at all. He's had a very good season. But I will say before I start to praise the Timberwolves, I think they have three really good players. I think all of those guys, Cat, D'Angelo Russell, Ant, really, really good players for a seven seed. An incredibly talented team. Like I, I'm like, wow, that is that is pretty high level. I love Vanderbilt as a defensive guy. It's sort of their defensive dude that they have sort of playing with them. Patrick Beverly too. They have two defensive guys who only care about defense for their offensive guys. Timberwolves starting five, except for maybe some end of game issues that I see. 
Very, very good. It's like you look at the starting five and you see an NBA team. Yeah. And then you look over at the bench and yeah. you see... Like, uh, you see a, a, a CBA team. Yeah, it's a, it's a similar thing to... <laughs> you guys should be in China. Yeah, Why, it's a, why are you here? It's a, this is Minnesota. It's it's so funny to watch these games and see the local announcers. Because it's kind of like with Utah, but even worse. It's like, you know it's bad when the local announcer is getting really excited about Tory and Prince. Yep. Like, you're just like, I think that the bench may have some problems. So I think it's like... I really like the starting lineup. I do think there's some games where D'Angelo Russell just tries to take over. And sometimes it works. But sometimes I'm just like, pass to Cat, pass to Ant. Jesus Christ, just give them the ball. You know? You're 100% right. And, and, uh, because I was going to make the thing. It, they have this weird rock, paper, scissors thing going on with their big three. This weird Rochambeau. Where the best player of the three, no question, is Carl Anthony Towns. He is currently the best player. He is uh, he is a one of the best all around offensive bigs in the game. Uh, he can score from literally any level, any way, and he is the the ideal number three guy on your best team, right? The the player. So so you have your player who is the best and most productive player on the floor, game in game out. The the MVP of the team right now is Cat, and the next thing is. The player with the high ceiling, who has the charisma that the fans look to, that that seems to have mixed the vibes properly, is Ant. It's and and, and Edwards is, is your other number one pick, who uh, still seems to have all the ceiling in the world to to grow and improve. Um, you know, let's let's not forget we're talking about a guy in his second year. Like this, he's incredible for a second year player. Yeah, and. And we're not talking about him the way that we that we would like a Jason Tatum or whoever that we were already hyping up at that point. But but uh, Edwards has barely scratched the surface of what he can become in the yeah. league, right? And then the third guy is the guy that those two guys defer to as the crunch time best yeah, player, and, I think that's and it's Russell. Answer. And Russell is not the best. Russell in no world yeah. is Russell the best player of those three. But he's the one who wants to shoot it in cl- in the clutch, and the other two guys want him to do that too. Yeah. So you have these like three guys who are uh, the word's not cross purposes, but that's what I'm saying. Where it's this weird like you need that mix to be to be turned around differently. You need you need uh, you need uh, uh, Russell to be to become the uh, the team chemistry leader uh, as a point guard, quote nominally, theoretically, right? The organizing force on the floor, which is hilarious to say about a guy who came into the league the way that he did, uh, breaking up, <laughs> breaking up Nick Young's marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, literally got trucked out of L.A. Partly because every player is like, "Fuck this kid," everyone hates him, right? Yeah, After yeah. that shit. Um, but he should be in that role if he's the trusted guy on the team, not the one that everyone expects to take that shot. You need Cat to not be the day-in, day-out best player on the team. You need him to be the rock-solid second option. You need him to be the best second option in the league, and you need Edwards to be the guy maturing into superstar status. No, I think we totally But agree, they aren't yeah. that right yeah. now. The, 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 the levels are just tweaked wrong on all three of those players, so while you have three guys who theoretically are good enough to be that core, and and then you have a you know a couple of other decent starters next to them, and then trash, 
right? <laughs> I, I just think think that the the. Uh, I mean, shout the, out the, to Malik Beasley because he has some talent. But yeah, but mostly sure. trash. Uh, yeah, but 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 the, but it's 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 like it's like someone's been riding the faders on these guys different. No, I, I think I totally. I probably missaid it. I it, but I I agree that Cat right now is the best player on the team. I think that you want Anthony Edwards to be the best player on the team. I think what you said, totally right. I, um, it's funny too, because I feel sort of bad saying this because I do think D'Angelo Russell had a really good year. He's playing like he did in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Like I, I am not come here to bury that guy, but I do, I do think you're right that especially Kat defers to him in a way that's just like, guys, like you two are offensive dynamos who can literally score against anyone in your position in the league. And you're going, and this guy is just, is, so it's like, it's such a weird thing. It's funny that it works as much as it would. And I would say that, like, everybody who just dogged the D'Angelo Russell trade, it, it works enough for them to get in the playoffs for the first time in 100,000 years, right? So I don't want to bear, and, and I don't know that I'm super excited. I, I like their coach a lot. I think that they have good schemes. I think I'm like, oh, this is a very smart team. But I think you're right. I mean, the game that I watched, Dallas beat them by two, and they didn't have Spencer Dinwiddie. And I'm like, this is pretty much how Minnesota is. They're going to come into these games. They're going to have a lot of really close playoff games. You're going to be really excited about they're it. They're good enough to be scrappy and hang yeah. in any game, any series. Yeah, and, and then they're going to lose. But I, I think we should talk about them because they're not 10th. You know, they're not perpetually yeah. the Sacramento Kings. They've moved up at least to this level where we would actually talk about them. And so I, I just wanted to give them a little... And I also honestly think that Cat's maybe not it, one of his best two seasons he's ever had. So it, it has to be. And I, I'm definitely thinking about him for all NBA and trying to oh, yeah. and trying to sneak him onto one of those teams. So oh, yeah. so like I, I, I just wanted to give them their due. All of the things you said about their issues are totally true. <laughs> There's another element to this, which is... I think that a lot of I think a lot of teams that are full of NBA veterans uh, go in to play the Wolves, and they can tell the Wolves are good. They they can tell the Wolves put in effort, and and they also know, hey, it's a regular season game, and we don't care that much because in the playoffs, we're not gonna fucking lose these punks. And and yeah. I mean, and I say punk deliberately because like I think that like it's I think it's a pretty well known thing that like most of the league thinks the cat's a bitch. <laughs> like he's, he's he's one of those players that like that a lot of guys in the league just don't respect. Like like he's he reminds me a little bit of Lamarcus Aldridge in terms of like his ability to to his is I guess maybe because he shoots a lot in the Rangers, but um, no, that's not the good. I, it's I, a better comparison. Like everybody thinks that Edwards is like a, is like a cool guy. Right. Yeah. But everybody thinks that D'Angelo Russell is a little narc. Like, uh, <laughs> like, like, no, like no, nobody. He, he, he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I wonder if it was Nick yeah. Young talk. Other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I, but the thing is, like that shit, like actually matters because like everyone expects a rookie teenager to be a dipshit, but they don't expect you to break a. I, I will. Say, like, I will say that to, to like to like turn a locker room entirely. I, against I will you. say that like, Ant. And Vanderbilt, aside from the starting lineup, everyone hates Beverly and Pat Bev too. Yeah, and everyone like, hates like, Cat. So, everyone so, hates right. So, so like, so teams can go in and be like, okay, if we lose this game, whatever. Because if we get in a playoff game, we're gonna fucking smash these guys. Like, yeah, I mean, you, 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 I think you're right. I will say that I'm. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe the COVID thing, but I'm sort of just happy that Cat is happy. 
Like I, it, it just makes me happy that he's actually. I also want to having say, a good season. No, I, I, I want to also say this. I love Carl Anthony Towns' game. Like if I if I could if I could pick any NBA player and be like I want to have that guy's game, yeah. it would literally be him because I can't shoot a lick, and so <laughs> to see a big man do what he can do, I love and, yeah, yeah. and and I do the kind of fuck up stuff that he does sometimes where he's feeling himself and he tries to throw Jokic passes over his over his shoulder and shit, yeah, and he throws it out of bounds. I do that when I whenever I the rare times that I play basketball, I try to. Um, so like I, I I genuinely love watching Carl Anthony Towns play basketball. And I wish that the chemistry of his place in the league worked a little better. But this happens sometimes where guys who are like definitely have top 10 or top 20 talent, whatever you want to, wherever you want to place that, for some reason, the other players in the league who are like on that top legit level just go like, yeah, but that's fake. Like, like this. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it, it, I think that's all true. I, I would just say like, I do think, you know, I mean, we, we're not. I, I don't know how much we want to get into the tragic story of Cat's family. Almost six or seven of them I know, passing away from COVID. So I, I do think there's a little bit of change in that. Of just like this guy. I mean, I think people were pretty happy in the All Star game when he made the, he won the three point contest. I think this is sort of the year of Cat, where there's some rebuild. Rehabilitation. Year of the cat. Um, put in some out. Put, put, put in some out, Stewart. <laughs> ben, put in some out, uh, Stewart. All right. Well, let's wrap up the West. Uh, do you have any other teams that you sort of want to jump on or talk about? Or I, honestly, like we we can save we can save the the dregs. We can do like a dregs podcast. Well, I would like to talk about the rookies at some point, and that that'll we'll hit a lot of these dreg teams. Well, then let's save it. Save it. We've done an episode, Bobby. Save it. We've South by Hangover. I'm sleepy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm Robert Segovia. You guys have a great time. And uh, and I'm still Brendan K. O'Grady, and that was the intro to the show that we didn't do at the beginning. Yeah, and uh, follow us on Twitter. Just find us. Just That's how we us. do it. Soft Just City Rockers. Bye Let's bye. go. Bye-bye. <laughs> These days, she says, I feel my life Just like a river running through The air of the cat